what's up? My name is Grace, and thanks for tuning in to the GT Young Adults Podcast. We're a community, a part of GT Church in Victoria, BC. We love Jesus and have a passion to learn and live like him and have a ton of fun doing it. All of the messages and conversations you find here will point you to his truth and his hope, so lean into whatever God wants to speak to you today. Enjoy what you're about to hear, and thanks for listening. Week four, five, five of the Christian walk. I wasn't here last week. I feel bad about that. I missed that week. Um, we're in week five of the Christian walk. And the working title that I have right now is Walking Boldly. Oh, sounds serious. It is kind of serious. It's a big deal. But uh, we're walking boldly. And just building off of the, the messages that have come before, I'm excited. I think this is a really cool piece of scripture that we have here. We're going to be in Ephesians 4. Uh, chapter 4, verses 17 to 32. So I'm actually going to be preaching right out of the blue Bible that's in front of you guys, so you can totally grab that, jump in. We're going to be in page 949, if you want to use that one. If not, you jump on your phone. If you brought a Bible, that's awesome. Um, But before we we really begin, um, I really think that what's cool about the Bible, what's cool about church and and the message is that this actually is, this isn't a movie, and I was talking to my buddy, Delmar, who's actually be preaching next week about that. And just this idea that sometimes we come and we're like, okay, cool. Like, I can sit back, I can kind of relax, I can listen to what the preacher, the teacher, whoever you want to call them, Jackson, what are they going to talk about? But what's really, really special about a series about going through this, about we know we're in Ephesians, um, this isn't a movie. You actually get to know the ending already. Like, that's kind of cool. So I just want to encourage you. Um, throughout the rest of the series and and whatnot, like to jump in. Because when I'm going here, you might be like, oh, that's cool, I've never read that before. It's really cool when when I'm talking and you know what I'm talking about. And I think that's a really special thing. So that's kind of my little little preface before we get in here. But um, yeah, let's just jump right in. I really like to read the full thing. So I'm gonna read Ephesians 4, 17 to 32, and then we'll kind of dissect what we're looking at. So it'll be on the, the screen behind me as well. So let's read this together. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as Gentiles do. In the futility of their thinking, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. Whoa, bear with me. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That's better. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. And that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God 
with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Full breath. That was a lot. I think it's really important that we read all that together because now we can really go back, we can look through, and we can really get a better understanding of not just what Paul is saying, but what, what are we trying to, to learn from this. And as Lucas said in a previous message, what's really special about Ephesians, about this letter, is that it wasn't, wouldn't have just been to this one particular church. This would have been distributed to other churches in the area, all around uh, kind of the ancient Near Eastern churches. And I think for that reason, what's really special is that Typically, we need to understand a better way of what did it mean for these people? What did it mean for these early Christians? So that way we can know what it means for us. I think something really, really cool and it makes it really accessible for us is that this was meant for all these different churches. So I feel like in a way we can really slide in there. We can really just step up and be like, okay, cool. Like, what does that mean for us? So when we look at the beginning, we see, I tell you this, and insist on in the Lord that you must no longer live as Gentiles do and the futility of their minds, of their thinking. That feels like, okay, Paul, it's kind of shots fired. Paul said it, not me, you know? But there seems to be this strong warning. And that's really what this first section is. If you, if you look at it in this Bible here or in your Bible, you can kind of see these little chunks that Paul is, is writing in. And so this first chunk, we're kind of seeing a warning. And what's that warning really? It really, what he's trying to say here is there's this change. You can see this change in the self if you are a follower of Christ or if you're a follower of the culture and of the world. He's saying there's a loss of, of, of sense. There's a, there's a hardening of the heart. So really my first thing I really want to communicate is I don't know if you're a believer here. I don't know if you're a Christian, if you're not. Similar to what Paul is doing here. He's talking to Jews and he's talking to Gentiles. So Gentiles, just anyone that isn't a Jew. So he's just talking to everybody in the land. He's talking to everyone in this church. And what he's saying is, have a gentle heart. And I feel like that's something that when I read that and when I was thinking about this, I feel like that's something, whether you're a Christian here or not, if maybe you just walked in, maybe you were invited and you're just like, what am I getting into? If there's something I, I can encourage you to, to take away from this evening and from tonight, Jesus loves you, number one. That's a big one. But number two, have a gentle heart. I think it's really easy for us to, to step into a hardness of heart. But when Paul is addressing these difficult realities, um, all these different things that he's talking about, all sensitivity, the giving ourselves over to sensuality, um, one of the biggest things that strikes me is that when he says the futility of their thinking. So I just wanna share a little story. A couple weeks ago, um, my in-laws were in town and my father-in-law, Steve, Steve and I, good guy. Steve and I were going for a little walk around Thetis, uh, around the lake. And as we were cruising around, there's this woman in front of us and she was walking her dog. And we, uh, you know, she sees that we're trying to get around her. We're just these guys striding along. And she looks back, she says, oh my gosh, like, let me get out of the way. And then as we're kind of going around her, she says, in my next life, I'm asking for longer legs. And then Steve goes, in my next life, I'm asking for a Porsche. And then she looks at him and she's like, why do you say that? And then Steve's a missionary, doesn't make a lot of money. He likes cars. And that's kind of his story. And then this woman goes, that's not his whole story. And then this lady says, 
oh, well, thank you for what you do. And she starts asking questions. And then my father-in-law goes, are you a believer? And she goes, what do you mean by that, Steve? Because he's already shared his name by this point. And she goes, what do you mean by that? And he asks, are you a Christian? Do you, do you know God? Do you know Jesus? And she says, I believe in kindness and good thoughts, good vibes. I don't believe in karma, though. She was very quick to say that. But I believe that if you're a kind person, then that's what life is about. And I feel like, I feel like we've had those conversations a lot. I feel like we encounter that that type of person a lot. And that's a great person. I believe in kindness. I believe in cosmic unity. I believe in all these beautiful things. But there's a certain sense of futility. And I think that's what Paul is really trying to say. He's not trying to knock people. He's trying to say, can we be people who think more than just about what's in front of us? Can we actually think about eternity? Can we, can we think about our whole life and what that means, that this is just one side of that? But Paul continues. So this is section two. So we go from the warning to the reminder. He says, this is not what you have learned. When you heard about Christ and you were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to, be put, on the, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So really what he's saying here in the Greek, when he's saying put off the old self, it's like, a clo- it's like your cloak, your garment, your shirt, your, I don't know if you got something super sick. I got a, a jacket, like your, your Arcteryx jacket. You take it off. You're like, that's ratty and old. I want that gone. So you're taking off this old garment, your old self. But when you take something off, what if you take off your shirt, if you were like working a long day, before, you don't just go throw on a new shirt. You have to, you have to, you want to wash off. If you're smelly and stinky and gross and you put on a new shirt, I'll be like, no, you're still smelly and stinky and gross. Don't hug me, you know? So you have, to, you have to cleanse yourself. You have to wash yourself. And that's exactly what Paul is saying in regards to us as people. It's not just an external thing. It's an internal thing. So he's saying, take off your old self, cleanse yourself in the name of Jesus, and then put on this new self. And so what he's saying here is the old is gone. I've accepted this new way, and the new has come. Final section, jumping through. This is the, really the meat of the message. This is what I'm gonna call the lesson. This is Paul's lesson. So this is from 25 to 32. Therefore, it's important, therefore. He says, therefore, each of you. So before I keep going there, there's something that is really important here. Something I really, I want you guys to know is whenever someone says, each of you, this kind of means all of us, right? He's saying, each of you, that's me, that's you. We have to be aware. We have to put our guards up now. So Paul is saying, each of you, therefore, each of you must put all falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. Which kind of goes, bam, bam, bam. Three things. And what we're going to see in this following section from Paul is that each time, I'm gonna call them kind of the six actions of the Christian walk. And they'll come up behind me on the screen. And these are what I really think Paul is, is getting to. These six actions of the Christian walk, these six ways to really walk boldly. If you wanna walk boldly in faith, I think you have to do 
or you can do these six things. And so my encouragement to you is not to be like, okay, I'll write these down. Okay, I'll, oh, I think that one was really interesting. There's a lot of things there. Six is a lot, it's a big number for some people. I don't know. What I want to encourage you guys in is to just take one or two things. Take one or two things and be like, okay, I can apply that to my life. If you're a believer or not, you should be like, yeah, this, this, is, this is good. I can take that. So we're going to see Paul kind of break down things one at a time and see how he does this. He says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. That's part number one. And speak truthfully to your neighbor. That's number two. For we are all members of one body. It's not enough to just put off falsehood. We also need to be people who speak the truth. And not like honesty is the best policy, like let's wrap a bow around it, that's super good, but like the truth. And I don't know about you, but I believe that Jesus is the truth, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So we're not just speaking what is, what is true, we're speaking the truth, not your truth or my truth, not some ideal, but the truth, that is Jesus. And why do we do that? Because we're all members of one body. Another conversation I had recently, can you imagine if like your closest friends was literally just clones of yourself? It was a weird conversation. Like just think of yourself, think of like your core friends, like four or five of you, and it's just all you. That would be the worst because we're our own worst critic. We're the ones who, we're the, it's hardest to figure out, forgive ourselves. It's hardest to sometimes just love ourselves. But can you imagine just yourself all the time? And I think that's what's really beautiful here is that Paul is saying we're all members of the same body. We're so different. We're each uniquely and beautifully designed. Next he goes, number two, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. That's that three, kind of three-part thing again. So he just says, he doesn't say, don't get angry. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Like Calista talked about before, there's, there's atrocities, there's evil, there's difficult things, there's injustice. That should anger you. It angers me, it frustrates me, it breaks my heart. But when we have that anger, we can't let that lead us into sin. I've heard someone say, when it comes to letting people know the story of Jesus, I will do anything in my power short of sin. And I feel like that's just this extreme, but almost like, I, I get it, you know? Like, we don't want to sin, but we want to just, we want people to know, you want, I want you to know how much God loves you, how much he actually does care for you. But there's a line. There's a line. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. This is my second story about Steve. Before I asked my wife to marry her, I had to ask my future father-in-law for her hand in marriage. And we went to Taco Fino. If you're a local, you know what's up. And I asked him, it was a longer conversation, but we'll just cut it there. I asked him if I could marry his daughter, and he says, I give you, he doesn't have a deep voice, but I'll just do it. He goes, I give you one piece of advice. But he just said, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And that's all he gave me. It's been pretty good, two years strong. Oh, baby. Um, but do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And then again, we build off that. Why? Because we don't want to give the enemy a foothold. 
the enemy here can be translated, the enemy, the, the accuser, Satan, could be a lot of different things, but really, it's our, it's our adversary. When we say the enemy, a foothold, without even knowing it, we can allow something to take root in our hearts. And that can, that can just start from this anger, and if we don't deal with it, you, it has to be dealt with. So number three is deal with your anger. I know that sounds blunt, sounds a little, little straight up, but we gotta do it. We have to deal with our anger. Number three. Number three. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful for the, with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. I don't know how many of you have a theft problem, that have like, a, like quick fingers if you're at like 7-Eleven or something. Maybe you do. We'll talk about that. Come see me after. But really, what I feel like Paul is really saying here is not just don't steal, but again, he's building off of that. What's he saying? Work. Do the work. And I think something's happened where we've been like, we've been lied to, really. We've been lied to by, by popular media and things about Christianity that if you love God, you don't have to work. If you love God, everything is easy. And I'm so sorry from the bottom of my heart as a young guy, like life, you gotta work. You have to work. You have to work when it comes to your finances, when it comes to your marriage, when it comes to school, all these things. It takes work and it's the same thing with your faith. It's not just gonna be this rosy road and I really wish it was. And I wanna, I wanna be honest with you in that because I think you... You need the truth in that. Number four, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it might benefit those who listen. This one's pretty, I think we all know this. I think we all know this. I think as I was preparing for this message, I was reading that and I was like, shoot. That one gets me right in, the, right in the feels because I think we are so quick with our words. We're so quick. We know that our tongue, it, it carries a venom. It really does. And it can, it can sting. It can hurt people. And we have to be, not just have a guard on our tongue, but we want to even do more than that. And that's why I say, edify with your tongue. Edify with your tongue. You have to do something that is going to encourage people. We know this. We have, to, we have to use our voice to build people up. We have to use our voice to build people up. Number five. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. When I was prepping for this message, I was, last week I was talking with Lucas. We were in his office. And we were just chatting. We were reading it over. We had it printed out. And then he like read that. And he's like, cool. And then the next, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. And do not grieve the, whole, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Don't grieve the Spirit. What's that really saying? Because that was something that stopped me. Because I, sometimes I read this book and I'm like, I don't even know what's happening. And so I, you know, I, I look at some other commentaries, look at what people are talking about. And it's this idea of like, we don't want to neglect the Spirit of God. You know, a few weeks, or a couple weeks ago, 
we were talking about the song, um, Move Your Heart, and this idea of like, God, God's heart isn't moved by perfection. You don't have to be perfect to change his heart in a positive way. But I also don't want to, I also don't want to grieve the spirit of God. I don't want to overlook. I don't want to devalue the spirit of God in my life. And there's so much there. There's so much there. We have to allow the spirit, when we sin, when we screw up, if we try to handle that ourselves, I think sometimes if it's like a little, we prescribe ourselves, we'll like do something and be like, oh God, that's just a little sin. It's not a big one. It's not one I have to talk to you about. I'll just deal with that myself. I'll, I'll allow that one to be a me thing and I'll talk to you about it later. But then it festers and it grows and it grieves the spirit because he, he wants to be invited in. He wants to be like, no, 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 like, let me talk to you. I love you. Let's work this out together. So let's invite the spirit in. We want to invite the spirit in and honor the spirit of God. And number six, get rid of all bitterness rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. So the, the first part here is the bitterness. Has anyone, you don't have to raise a hand, but has anyone been bitter before? I saw a hand. I, I would raise my hand. I've been bitter before. Bitterness is this super sneaky thing because I think a sign of bitterness is we're typically pretty quick to justify it, right? I think we all feel pretty just. We feel like we have the right to be bitter. And I've been there. I've been so bitter before. And it stinks because bitterness, it's a symptom. It's a symptom of something that's going to come later. That's why it's the first thing listed here. Get rid of all bitterness. Why? Because bitterness, it leads to rage it leads to anger, it leads to anger, it leads to brawling and slander. And as we continue down that path, we begin dragging others with us. And it gets really easy to do that. And so what, if we have that as a symptom, what is the remedy? What is the antidote? What is the thing that takes us from this bitterness and allows us to step away from that? And I think that's just what's really beautiful about verse 32. Paul says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. It's like, what? It's that easy? It's that simple? Let's say simple, it's not that easy. That's gonna be kinda hard. But it's, it's simple. And that's why point number six is forgive fully. Because I think sometimes we get to this place where we're like, yeah, I've forgiven that person. I've gotten over that. Yeah, there's forgiveness there. And we act like we can forgive and forget. And that's another thing. That's, 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 not, that's not the truth. We can't just forgive and forget. Because if we forget, sometimes you remember, and that stinks, right? And so if we just act like we can just forgive and forget, there has to be more work there. I really like what Dr. Frederick J. Long describes it as refeeling. When we, when we act like there isn't anything there, we re-feel, we re-enter into that. So if we forget, we're reminded, and all those feelings, they come like flushing in, and then you just feel it, and you sit in it, and you're all the way back on that bitterness train. And that's why you have to forgive fully. 
because the difference between forgetting and feeling is one allows you to move on and one will never let you move on. You can, it's okay to feel that way, but you have to have forgiveness to cover that before you forget it. And so that's the close that Paul has here. And I feel like with each of these things, speak the truth, deal with your anger, work, edify with your tongue, honor the spirit, forgive fully. It's like six pretty, seems, it seems like, okay, this is practical, this is tangible. Now, my encouragement, my challenge to you is not, okay, like take those six things, go get them, change the world. Like that's not what I'm trying to say here. I'm just trying to encourage you like, Take one thing, take two things. I think for me, when I was reading this, when Paul says, therefore, each of you, that first line, like speak the truth. These little things that are so packed together, he wove them together so well to distribute to us. And as he closes, with just as Christ God forgave you. There's a reason that's at the end of the chapter. He didn't like throw it in the middle and then we're like, we'll get back to that. It's at the end because it covers it all. It covers everything. When Jesus went to the cross for you and for me, that covered everything. Any other sin, any other bitterness, any other rage, that covers it. Would you join me in prayer? Jesus, I don't want to take you lightly. I don't want to look at you and say, yeah, thank you for being a moral teacher. Thank you for living a good life. I want to look at you and just be so in awe that you were living a good life. You're the son of God and yet you came down you walked as we walked. You lived as we lived. And you died a death that you didn't deserve to die for. I thank you that we can come together freely on a Sunday night and worship you and get to know you better. And there's no laws against it. There's no rules saying we can't do this. God, I want to live as if there was. I want to live as if there was an urgency, because there is. So Holy Spirit, we invite you in this place. We thank you for filling up our hearts, for taking residence. We love you and we honor you. Amen.